Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is November the 18th, and our chapter for today is 2 Timothy chapter 1. Well, I must tell you, as I have been preparing for these podcasts and reading through 2 Timothy, my heart is filled with emotion. These are Paul's last words. In effect, his dying words. As a pastor now for decades, I cannot begin to describe the emotion that is felt beside of a dying bed, especially of someone who is conscious, who is talking to their children and grandchildren, talking to perhaps a spouse of many, many decades, as they have allowed me in the closing moments to hear last words spoken to each other, sometimes to look at me and say a word of encouragement, a word of well done, a word of gratitude. And so I'm somewhat emotional just reading through this sacred book. I cannot tell you, only God knows how many times I have read in Second Timothy. Now, I love all the books of the Bible, and I love First Timothy, but I have read Second Timothy over and over and over again. I've translated it back and forth. I have relished the words, the admonition, the encouragement of the apostle to his young, timid son in the faith, Timothy, one who honors God. But as you read through the book of 2 Timothy, and the more you learn of the circumstances in which it was written, then you understand something of the urgency and the emotion that is in the words of the Apostle Paul. Now, let's set the stage. 1 Timothy was written and dictated, no doubt, with Luke, who was the only one that was still with Paul, according to 2 Timothy. All else had forsaken him. But there, his faithful amanuensis and physician, the apostle Paul's personal doctor, Luke, was still there with him until the end. And so now Timothy is being brought into these closing weeks and months of Paul's life because he knew that his echodas, his exodus, his departure was at hand. And so he was writing this letter more than likely was somewhere around 67 A.D., certainly before 68 A.D., the historian Eusebius records that Paul was executed during the days of Nero. If you'll recall, Nero was the maniacal, crazy emperor that no doubt burned Rome and watched Rome burn and then blamed it on the Christians. And so Peter and Paul both were caught up in this. And Paul, no doubt, was in prison knowing that his time of departure was at hand. And so he was writing his last words to Timothy. And you can feel the urgency in it when he says, please come before winter. Bring my overcoat, bring my outer garment, my cloak, because it's very cold in this Mamertime dungeon. If you've ever been there, many of you that are listening have been to Rome. Some of you have been with me. Remember the dank, damp coldness that is in the room still to this day and just the utter seclusion of that dungeon. 
So the Apostle Paul is gathering everything about him and under inspiration of the Holy Spirit penned these words before his coming death. He opens up by just encouraging Timothy. And he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. He had worked with Timothy over the years. He had groomed him. He had encouraged him. He had chastened him when he needed to be rebuked. He had helped him. And now it's almost like he knew that Timothy would be on his own. Now, he trusted God. He trusts the Holy Spirit. But it's like a father watching a son or a daughter drive out of that driveway as they take off, and you know that things will never be the same again. Well, this is no doubt what Paul thought of when he left Timothy at Ephesus to make sure that that church stayed strong in the faith. And we know that Paul is thinking back, and just like many who are looking back over their years at the end of their life. He said, I am greatly desiring to see you. I'm mindful of your tears. No doubt Timothy was grieving because he missed his mentor and had not seen him in some time. He said, and because that I'm filled with joy. And he was filled with joy because he was reminiscing. He was going back to the time when he first met Timothy. He was thinking of Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice, and how strong they were in the faith and how they had brought Timothy up. Timothy had a Greek father and was not a religious man, evidently. And so this mother and grandmother had nurtured Timothy along in the faith, and he had become a follower of Jesus, the Messiah, and had taken off with Paul. And so he said, do you remember We talked about the gift of God and how God had gifted you and divinely enabled you to do what you do. He encouraged Timothy and said, remember, son, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of timidity. Evidently, Timothy was an introvert. He did well, but he really had to work at it, and God had to give him grace to be able to stand firm. He said, we've not been given the spirit of timidity. Now, this is not phobos. This is the word for timidity, for shyness, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Power, we've talked about. The two words, exousia and dunamis, uh, the dynamic. Love, this is agape he has given us, that love that's based in the character of the one doing the loving, the choice of the one doing the loving, rather than in the attitudes and the actions of the one being loved. But then he said, God has given us a sound mind, balance. You see, that's what we need, proper thinking, proper thoughts, because our thoughts and our thinking leads to proper action. He said, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner." but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel. Paul, I believe, was beginning to feel the weight of the concept of leaving Timothy. And he knew that his time was coming. And so he was trying to do everything he could to just make every word count. And so he said, God has saved us. He's called us with a holy calling. We can't get away from that. Often people will say, well, I'm going to quit and do something else. Well, if you can quit and do something else, do it. I cannot. Because the call of God is upon my life, and I cannot but preach. My wife has often said to me, when you're not preaching, when you're not teaching, when you're not able to do that, you're miserable. And it's true, because when the hand of God and the call of God is upon someone's life, no one has to get behind you with a prod. Sometimes we all want to slow down or sometimes maybe think about quitting, but we cannot 
God have mercy, we cannot. And so the Apostle Paul is saying to Timothy, you've got a calling, son, a holy calling, not according to your works or mine, but according to God's own purpose and grace, which he's given us in Christ Jesus. All of this was before time began, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And this verse, again, I can't even tell you the emotion that floods over my heart as I read these words, because my mind goes back to the hills that I grew up around and in, and to that old stove that was the heat for our house. As I pulled up a chair early in the morning, probably two o'clock in the morning, my grandmother was asleep in the bed in the living room because there was just one bedroom and three boys slept in that. So my grandmother slept in the living room and she kept a fire going, especially when it was cool. It was a cold April morning and I had been wrestling with God for some time about being saved and then I was saved and Three months later, I knew God was calling me to preach, and this is the verse that sealed that. As I asked God to speak to me out of the Bible, I didn't know how God spoke. I just believed that the Bible was the very words of God. And I opened up the Bible, and my eyes glued on verse 11 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, to which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. And I knew beyond any doubt that God was calling me to do what I'm still doing nearly 50 years later. And so the Apostle Paul said, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. And songs have been written about this next verse. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded, I'm fully persuaded in my heart and my mind that God is able to keep me, keep that commitment I made to him. I may not be able I may not be faithful, but he is. He's able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day. When I see the one who called me face to face, this is what Paul was saying to Timothy. Don't be ashamed of me, son. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me. Don't let anyone lead you astray. Be this way in faith, yes, but in love. These two are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who lives in you. He lives in you. He dwells in you. He'll never leave you, son, or forsake you. I think Paul was probably reminding Timothy, and in doing so was reminding himself as he sat in that prison cell. This you know that all the house in Asia has turned away from me. And he talks about those that had turned away from the faith and turned more than likely others away. But he said, the Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus. Why? Because he wasn't ashamed of my chain. He often came to me. He often refreshed me. He often encouraged me. He often brought me things. He wasn't ashamed that I was a prisoner. When he arrived in Rome, he sought me out and he diligently zealously sought me out. He wasn't ashamed of me, Timothy. Don't you be, son. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day when he stands before God. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. You see, the Apostle Paul knew that it was a short time, and the Lord that had called him had met him on the road to Damascus. 
he was going to stand in his presence shortly. I can tell you the older I get, the more I long to see his face. The longer I serve him, truly, the sweeter he grows. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. For on the way, this is Tony Crisp. May God richly bless you. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.